2: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We're now pleased to be joined on our show by University of Miami offensive line coach, Garen Justice. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time to join us.
1: Uh, anytime, Joe. It's my pleasure.
2: What was uh, what was it like your first year at the University of Miami, if you could put that into perspective for us?
1: Yeah, I think it was uh, it was definitely a different year with the pandemic and, and all those things. And really, we haven't had a chance just as a family and, and even as a, as a coach to really experience all the great things Miami has to offer both on and off the field. And so, so that part's been different. But uh, at the same time, it's been an awesome experience. Uh, we love love the people we work with uh love love our community um we're really, really excited about what's going on right now
2: all right we're getting ready for spring football what will your focal point be with the offensive line during the spring
1: yeah I mean, the, the biggest thing is we've got to get our run game going um and and some of that is is, is i've got to coach better and some of that is is we've got to find the right combination of guys to to step in the lineup and and be the right guys and and it could be the same guys we played with last year cannot but we've got to make sure we open up every door competition we can because at the end of the day everything we got to do from a run in the football standpoint has got to improve so that's the biggest focus um again i think we'll help some schematically given given our guys better situations to to put in better positions to make great plays, but at the same time, we've also just got to be better. So I think it's got to be a collective uh, collective group effort between myself, the players, uh, the whole offensive staff, and, and hopefully we can uh, be a lot more efficient around the football by the time we leave
2: spring. You know, for the first time that I can remember in a long time, as I look at the way you finish the season on the offensive line, all of those guys are coming back. The five guys that started against Oklahoma State, are coming back. The guys behind them are coming back. Maybe you have another addition or two coming in as well. Uh, The fact that you have some continuity there, how much of an impact can that have?
1: Yeah, I mean, anytime I think people sometimes downplay how much better guys get from year to year. Uh, Sometimes they, they lock a guy into a box for what he is his freshman season, and and think he's never going to improve and and they devalue the process of a kid getting better so i think just by those guys all being back alone we are going to be an improved offensive line and that's doesn't matter who's coaching doesn't matter who's calling the place doesn't matter who the head coach is those guys all have a year of experience under their belt they are going to be better Uh, now to what level that's going to be determined on how well we coach them, how hard they work, um, and what kind of positions we put them in. Uh, but you know, I think I think having everyone back, that kind of speaks to the culture that's happening in the building. I mean, guys, guys have kind of bucked the trend of go get paid, go get money. Uh, and I'm talking about all positions now, but the biggest trend has been, hey, let's stay and win. And we understand that by winning, everyone's individual goals become greater. Uh, and 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 we get we get higher accomplishments individually if the team wins. So um, I think that's been a nice trend to see. Um, you got a guy like Jared Williams who is going to potentially play seventh year of college football. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you've uh, you've got a very seasoned room. Uh, you've got a lot of guys who have a lot of starts. And uh, at the end of the day, we're all going to be better for the, for all those starts and all those failures and victories they've had in the past.
2: You know, the other thing I, I think the other benefit. Of having an older team is it allows younger players to compete but also to grow. The old line of uh, don't rush them to the major leagues, which I think has been the case at the University of Miami. Actually, all I really need to do is look at Zion Nelson and Jakai Cl- Clark. Both guys played as a freshman or as freshmen, uh, but now with older players, with an older roster, some guys might not have to be rushed.
1: You're 100% right, and and like you, you take a guy like Jalen Rivers, for example. Jalen was a guy who we didn't have to play him next year. Uh, now, there were times I, I felt like, man, I, I wish we could get him ready, but we didn't feel like Jalen was quite ready. He was close. He was close, and by the end of the year, he was he was very close. But we're expecting a guy like Jalen now, since he's had that year, to come in and really be able to compete with the guys. And, and you look at Ja'Kai, and you look at Zion, those guys – Made a major improvement from year one to year two. Uh, DJ Skae had to play as a true freshman here. Navon Dawson had to play as a true freshman here, and and th- that's a that's a compliment to those guys for for coming in and, and having the ability and the knowledge to be able to do that. But as a program, we got to get to a point where we don't have to rely on guys like that to have to walk in the door and help us win games. And I think this is the first year. Uh, I think in the in the recent future, where my, Miami hasn't really had to rely on a young guy to come and have to save the O line or save the the offense, and because that's hard, but offensive line is it's one of the few positions that well they all they all matter, but um, physically you have to be developed, you have to be grown up, you have to be developed and mature physically to be able to compete in, inside, and it's such a fundamental mental game. Really, for all those three things to come together, it sometimes takes time with uh, with the big boys. So, we usually think we usually say as an office blind thought thought process is really it's that second spring ball. You really kind of know what you have the second spring ball, whether a guy gets it or not, whether he's going to develop the way you think he does, and and now you can see what you have. And sometimes when you see a throw a kid to the fire his freshman year, like you see with his Zion Jakai, you really don't know. Once you have, until they can step back, take a deep breath, decompress, and and then play some more later on.
2: Uh, You have a guy Corey Gaynor. He's going to be a redshirt senior, so he's gonna he's had a lot of football under his belt. How much of an impact can he have? Considering is you know he's your center, very important position over the ball every single down. Played almost every snap a year ago. How much of an impact can he have this year?
1: Yeah, we're expecting Corey to to still continue to be the leader of the group. Um, he's been the one constant or one of the few constants that um, that's probably been around and, and been the guy the last couple of years. And, and Corey, he embodies everything you want in an offensive lineman. He's, he works hard, uh, does everything the right way, um, takes pride upon himself of doing his job and, and making sure the guys around him are getting better. And Hey, looking at Corey's film last year, there's a lot of things he's got to improve at as well. And, uh, but at the same time, he acknowledges that. He's hungry to work at it. Um, and you can see him improving already even before we start playing football.
2: Of course, we have uh, Navon Donaldson coming off the injury. Did play a little bit a year ago. What, what would you expect from Navon? Because if, he's, if he can get to a healthy spot, uh, most likely I would imagine he could have a major impact.
1: Yeah. And, and Nivon, I mean, Nivon continues to impress me because you, you see a guy and, and everyone sees, oh, he, he's he's such a big guy, but, but can he move and, and can he run and can he do those things? And, and, um, of course, he's not where he wants to be right now, but he is physically very, very impressive to watch and to watch him do things. And, and we talked about Corey kind of being the leader of the room. Vaughn's really the, the alpha of the room. Navon's the guy that when he speaks up and says something, everyone listens. And he doesn't speak often, but when he does, everyone listens and, and he really has the respect of everyone in that room, um, to, to you know I mean, to the highest degree. But we're expecting um, we have the biggest of expectations for Navon and, and Navon last year, I um, mean it was he had the knee surgery and, and this was before the, the rule passed with the COVID year and all those things, but you Navon, know, I remember calls me in last June and and says hey, he's worried about his knee and, and he wants to try and redshirt this season. And, and it was important for me to, to one honor that request regardless, and then two, towards end of the year, when we're still, uh, by the time he played the Duke game, we'd only had one loss, and Vaughn had just gotten cleared. One one week prior, so the last thing I wanted to do was throw him into the fire. Still, will, probably wasn't truly in shape. Uh, still, didn't know if he mentally had the trust on that leg that he wanted to have. have. Um, so I just felt like it was in Va- Navon's best interest for the long term that we try and be really really smart with how we handle him. And that uh, was something that that he we were both on the same page about. And now you see that entering the offseason. He has a complete confidence on his knee. Um, he has his confidence back uh, overall, and he's really starting to merge as being one of the main guys in the room again.
2: What did you see or what What do you think you have? Uh, the two guys that played on the left side for you, Ja'Kai and Zion, both are really, really smart kids.
1: Yeah. Um, no, I, I always say about Ja'Kai, Ja'Kai is – Football, fundamental, soundness, uh, feel for the game. is the most natural guy we have, and um, he's a guy that is very versatile as well. I mean, he, he played center in high school the whole time, started the whole previous year as a true freshman as a right guard, ended up starting the majority of this year at left guard, and um, has done has done a good job at, at everything we've asked him to do. So is a guy that, that mentally is – he's – He's a seasoned vet, even before he's really supposed to be a seasoned vet. And then, and then Zion, Zion probably. You talk about a turnaround. I mean, few tackles had as bad of a year as he had his freshman year, and few tackles had as good of a year as he had his sophomore year. And um, that's a that's a testament to his work ethic as well. So, both those guys are guys that we're excited that we still have a couple more years here in the program, and and uh, I think their best ball still ahead of them.
2: You know, you mentioned uh, Zion's freshman year. Did you have a was that a big rebuilding project in terms of just getting his confidence up going into last year? How much of a of a uh, uh, of coaching him mentally was involved?
1: You know, I think that was a lot of uh, like we we go back and talking about those guys who weren't quite ready to play yet, but who are good talents. Uh, I think Zion's a, a prime example of that. Zion, no one can question his talents. No one can question his ability to sandwich a guy. Um, but with Zion, when I came in last spring, I saw a guy who was still undersized, a guy who had a great attitude and work ethic. Um, so I, I, and I also saw a guy who was a little emotionally beat up and kind of lost his confidence uh, in the game. And my thought process was, Hey, maybe I need to take some pressure off of him right now, let he, let him step away, let him get away from it, and start building him back up. We come back from the quarantine, and Zion went from a guy who's still two hundred eighty pounds to three hundred twelve pounds, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, well, well, maybe maybe he's kind of gotten his confidence back after uh, being at home and 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 eating his mama's food, I guess. But um, and but we still took that same approach in August camp of. Hey, let's see where he can fit in. Let's not press the issue. And, and, um, and he was the one guy that you talk about, like he was with coach Barry and coach Barry was the only offensive line coach he'd ever had in college football. So he probably had the best habits for what coach Barry was asking him to do. And now he's got this other O-line coach come in and, and change him up again. So I think he struggled with some of that too, fundamentally. And then once he kind of got on board or, or, kind of got a hang of what we're asking him to do, that's when he was able to really take off.
2: I'm not sure when the University of Miami's had uh, this many offensive linemen. I think you're probably getting to a pretty good number. So I'll just lump these guys together, the, the young players. You have uh, Walker, a holdover from last year, who came in, transferred in, and then through recruiting, McLaughlin, Rodriguez, and uh, big baby, Lawrence Seymour. So four other young guys coming in to join this group.
1: Yes, yeah, and and Isaiah was with us some in the fall as well, um, so so Isaiah was able to, to do some of that, and and we were we're fortunate enough we have McLaughlin on campus right now, and then Ryan and, and Lawrence will join us this summer, but uh, we're really really excited about those guys uh, and, and their potential, and we think you look at Aaron uh, Rodriguez and 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 Big Baby Seymour, like those guys will be able to come step in learn from those guys a year, compete their tails off to try and start now, but a but big scheme of things, learn, see how we operate, get coached by myself and the older guys. And now it's going to accelerate their growth, accelerate their learning, and now it's going to give them a good opportunity to really be the guys for three and four years down the road.
2: Coach, carrying justice is our guest offensive line coach, university of Miami. I was speaking with coach Lashley and he said about the ACC, one of the things that surprised him the most uh, from uh, opponents uh, from the opponents from uh, defense inside the league was all the edge rushers inside the ACC. He thought the edge rushers inside the ACC were better than what he had seen in the SEC. Uh, how much did the edge rushers, how much pressure do they put on your offensive line during the course of the year each week getting ready for those guys?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, no, we did have – Pretty fortunate thing, that we had some good DNs in house yeah. that, that that allowed those guys to prepare and get ready. And you talk about different tackles' growth and development; it's it's a big it's a big uh, credit goes to the DNs we had in our house. But but yeah, I mean, week in, week out, there there were guys that you had to prepare for, you had to uh, have answers for, um, and you had to you had to bring it with your game and. And from, from a pass protection standpoint, we're hey, we still got to be a lot better than that as well. I mean, there's, we went—I said we went from a, a really bad offensive line to, to slightly below average in a year. So hopefully, we can make the same jump to um, to slightly below average to a really good offensive line. And, and I, I'm excited about what we can what we can do. I'm excited about this group. They're a good group of guys. Um, they are getting better. They they are committed to being better. And uh, that's really all you can ask for as a coach are guys that, that feel that way and act that way. And, and um, eventually it's going to come through. And I know as, as fans and coaches and, and everyone, it's never the timetable we want it to be. But, but when it happens, it's going to happen and everyone's going to be excited about it.
2: When we last left you, Coach, you were on the verge of pulling out the Oklahoma State game. You did pull out Virginia Tech and North Carolina State on the road. How much of that fourth quarter mentality can carry over into this season?
1: Yeah, hopefully that remains a constant. Something we've been talking about is we've got to get out to a fast start mentality. I mean, North Carolina State, those type games, Oklahoma State at the end, hopefully those games never happen or those comebacks never happen because you're firing and executing at a high level to start the game. And um be starting off 21 nothing and having to dig back, that's just, it that just puts you in a bad situation. It makes you one dimensional. Um, it's not the way you want to play the game. So I think as a coaching staff, a big thing we've kind of talked about and addressed is okay, we, we've, we've, our guys, our guys' numbers in the fourth quarter and outscoring people in the fourth quarter cumulatively to the se- through the seasons is actually pretty good, but our first quarter numbers are not where we want them to be. So it's like, okay, we're finishing pretty strong. And, yes, we do need to continue to stress that, and that's what we need to be. But now let's, let's fast start, too. Now, <laughs> So uh, let's find a way to fast start, and, and Coach DS always talks about it. You want a fast start, uh, you want to win the middle eight, uh, you want to win the last four minutes before halftime and the first four minutes after halftime, and you, you got to finish in the fourth quarter. So I think the, the middle eight was, was improved from the year before. Uh, it was solid. I thought our fourth quarter was really good, and our first quarter was, is something we've got to improve at greatly. So if we can find a way to, to start getting our guys to, whether it's how we practice, whether it's how we work out, whatever we do, something you just emphasize, we got to figure out a way to get our guys going a little quicker. And if we can get that done then, and match it with what we did in the fourth quarter, um, good things can
2: happen for us. In terms of recruiting, you've done a pretty good job of, of finding offensive linemen in South Florida. Uh, how much evaluation has to go into offensive linemen in South Florida because historically it's not been a great spot for premier offensive linemen, but there are guys that have come through South Florida that have turned out to be really good offensive linemen. But I think when you think of recruiting in South Florida, you're thinking of more in terms of skilled players.
1: Yeah, and that's that's the thing I've said ever since I got here was just from my time in Florida Atlantic and, and being familiar to state, um, or with the state, people always, the stereotype is Florida, South Florida's got a lot of skill, not a lot of great offensive linemen. And really what happens, there's not a lot of great offensive linemen anywhere in the country. I mean, God doesn't make many big, talented, athletic people. So what happens is is Florida or South Florida still has the same amount as everyone else. It's just, it gets overwhelmed because there's so much skill here. So it is disproportionate. It's only disproportionate though, because our skill is so much higher and so much greater than anywhere else in the country. So it's important for us to, to we, we've got to start looking at linemen from the standpoint of, can they go to Clemson and win that game? Right. Can they win the ACC championship? If, if they can and they don't have to tomorrow, but can they grow to win that game? Not just, are they good enough? And if we think guys can grow and, and be, if they can play Excel and win in that game, then let's take them. And, And preferably we want to take them if they're closer than, than if they're far away. Uh, but that being said, we've got to find guys who want to be here who fit that standard. And, um, Fortunately, this past year we were able to sign three guys that we thought fit that standard, who were all three in the Tri County area, and, um, and two from Dade and one from Broward. So that's that's preferably the way we would love to have it is it's local guys and, and guys who are going to take pride in staying home and being at home. But if we got to go elsewhere and find them, um, we'll find them. I mean, Brian McKinney was from New Jersey. We would love to have Brian McKinney again. So um, we'll take them wherever we get them, but. We'll also take guys who are, who are down the road, like Vernon Carey, and we'll take some of those guys as well. So however it gets done, uh, we'll get it done, but preferably we'd like to do it with guys close to home.
2: It used to be, uh, and you mentioned having guys get ready to go play uh, Clemson or in Alabama, it used to be uh, you'd stay five years to play one on the, at the offensive line position. Uh, not quite the case now, but uh, certainly development is a big part of, of your plan.
1: It is, and and we've got to make it. And with the with the days of the transfer portal, we've got to make it worthwhile for these guys. They feel like they are getting developed. They feel like they they do see the light at the end of the tunnel, and and um, and they've got to enjoy their experience here. Because if the days of just being a certain type of coach and and treating guys poorly that doesn't that doesn't stick anymore you've got it you've got to develop true relationships with these guys you got to get to know them uh and you've got to show them that you can make them better and i think if you can show them that and they truly know you care that extends your life with those guys and and those guys are going to, want to stay and play for you a
2: little bit longer coach uh really appreciate you taking the time to join us thank you so much uh, best of luck during spring football we look forward to watching it and again uh Uh, Congrats on last season, and thanks for being with us here tonight on the show.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Joe. Appreciate it. Anytime.
2: We're now pleased to be joined on our show by University of Miami offensive line coach Garen Justice. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time to join us.
1: Uh, Anytime, Joe. It's my pleasure.
2: What uh, What was it like your first year at the University of Miami? If you could put that into perspective for us.
1: Yeah, I think it was uh, it was definitely a different year with the pandemic and and all those things. And really, we haven't had a chance, just as a family and and even as a, as a coach, to really experience all the great things Miami has to offer, both on and off the field. And so so that part's been different. But uh, at the same time, it's been an awesome experience. Uh, we love love the people we work with. Uh, love love our community. Um, we're really excited about what's going on right now.
2: All right, we're getting ready for spring football. What will your focal point be with the offensive line during the spring?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing is we've got to get our run game going. Um, and and some of that is, is is I've got to coach better, and some of that is, is we've got to find the right combination of guys to, to step in the lineup and, and be the right guys. And, and it could be the same guys we played with last year. It could not, but we've got to make sure we open up every door competition we can because at the end of the day everything we got to do from a run in the football standpoint has got to improve so that's the biggest focus um again i think we'll help some schematically given given our guys better situations to to be put in better positions to make great plays but at the same time we've also just got to be better so i think it's got to be a collective uh, collective group effort between myself the players uh the whole offensive staff and And hopefully we can uh, be a lot more efficient around the football by the time we leave spring.
2: You know, for the first time that I can remember in a long time, as I look at the way you finish the season on the offensive line, all of those guys are coming back. The five guys that started against Oklahoma State are coming back. The guys behind them are coming back. Maybe you have another addition or two coming in as well. Uh, The fact that you have some continuity there how much of an impact can that have?
1: Yeah. I mean, anytime, I think people sometimes downplay how much better guys get from year to year. Uh, Sometimes they, they lock a guy into a box for what he is his freshman season and, and think he's never going to improve and and they devalue the process of a kid getting better. So I think just by those guys all being back alone, we are going to be an improved offensive line. And that's, doesn't matter who's coaching doesn't matter who's calling the place doesn't matter who the head coach is those guys all have a year of experience under their belt they are going to be better Uh, now to what level that's going to be determined on how well we coach them how hard they work um, and what kind of positions we put them in Uh, but I, I think I think having everyone back that kind of speaks to the culture that's happening in the building I mean guys guys have kind of bucked the trend of go get paid go get money Uh, And I'm talking about all positions now, but the biggest trend has been, hey, let's stay and win. And we understand that by winning, everyone's individual goals become greater uh, and and we get we get higher accomplishments individually if the team wins. So um, I think that's been a nice trend to see. Um, You got a guy like Jared Williams who is going to potentially play seventh year of college football. So <laughs> you've uh, you've got a very seasoned room. Uh, you've got a lot of guys who have a lot of starts. And uh, at the end of the day, we're all going to be better for, the, for all those starts and all those failures and victories they've had in the past.
2: You know, the other thing, I, I think the other benefit of having an older team is it allows younger players to compete but also to grow. The old line of uh, don't rush them to the major leagues which I think has been the case at the University of Miami. Actually, all I really need to do is look at Zion Nelson and Jakai Cl- Clark. Both guys played as a freshman or as freshmen, uh, but now with older players, with an older roster, some guys might not have to be rushed.
1: You're 100% right. And, and like you, you take a guy like Jalen Rivers, for example. Jalen was a guy who we didn't have to play him next year. Uh, now there were times I, I felt like, man, I I wish we could get him ready, but we didn't feel like Jalen was quite ready. He was close. He was close. And by the end of the year, he was, he was very close, but we're expecting a guy like Jalen now, since he's had that year to come in and really be able to compete with the guys. And and you look at Jakai and you look at Zion, those guys made a major improvement from year one to year two. Uh, DJ Scaife had to play as a true freshman here. Navon Dawson had to play as a true freshman here, and and th- that's a that's a compliment to those guys for for coming in and, and having the ability and the knowledge to be able to do that. But as a program, we got to get to a point where we don't have to rely on guys like that to have to walk in the door and help us win games. And I think this is the first year. Uh, I think in the in the recent future where my, Miami hasn't really had to rely on a young guy to come and have to save the O line or save the the offense and because that's hard offensive line is it's one of the few positions that well they all they all matter but um physically you have to be developed you have to be grown up you have to be developed and mature physically to be able to compete inside and it's such a fundamental mental game Really, for all those three things to come together, it sometimes takes time with uh, with the big boys. So, we usually think we usually say as an office blind thought thought process is really it's that second spring ball. You really kind of know what you have the second spring ball, whether a guy gets it or not, whether he's going to develop the way you think he does, and and now you can see what you have. And sometimes when you see it, throw a kid to the fire his freshman year, like you see with his Zion Jokai, you really don't know. What you have until they can step back, take a deep breath, decompress, and, and then play some more later on.
2: Uh, you have a guy, Corey Gaynor, He's going to be a redshirt senior, so he's going to he's had a lot of football under his belt. How much of an impact can he have? Considering is you know he's your center, very important position over the ball every single down, played almost every snap a year ago. How much of an impact can he have this year?
1: Yeah, you know, we're, we're expecting Corey to to still continue to be the leader of the group. Um, He's been the one constant or one of the few constants that um, that's probably been around and and been the guy the last couple of years. And and Corey, he embodies everything you want in an offensive lineman. He's, he works hard, uh, does everything the right way, um, takes pride upon himself of doing his job and, and making sure the guys around him are getting better. And Hey, looking at Corey's film last year, there's a lot of things he's got to improve at as well. And, uh, but at the same time, he acknowledges that he's hungry to work at it. Um, and you can see him improving already even before we start playing football.
2: Of course, we have, uh, Navon Donaldson coming off the injury, did play a little bit a year ago. What, what would you expect from Navon? Because if he's, if he can get to a healthy spot, uh, most likely I would imagine he could have a major impact.
1: Yeah, and, and, and Navon, I mean, Navon continues to impress me because you, you see a guy and, and everyone sees, oh, he, he's he's such a big guy, but, but can he move and, and can he run and can he do those things? And, and um, of course, he's not where he wants to be right now, but he is physically very, very impressive to watch and to watch him do things. And, and we talk about Corey kind of being the leader of the room. Vaughn's really the the alpha of the room bonds, the guy that when he speaks up and says something, everyone listens and he doesn't speak often, but when he does, everyone listens and, and he really has the respect of everyone in that room. Um, to, to, you know, I mean, to the highest degree, but we're expecting, um, we have the biggest of expectations for Navon and, and Navon last year. I um, mean, it was, he had the knee surgery and, and this was before the, the rule passed with, the COVID year and all those things, but you Navon, know, I remember calls me in last June and, and says, hey, he's worried about his knee and, and he wants to try and redshirt this season. And, and it was important for me to, to, one, honor that request regardless. And then two, towards the end of the year, and we're still, uh, by the time he played the Duke game, we'd only had one loss and Vaughn had just gotten cleared one one week prior so the last thing I wanted to do was throw him into the fire still will, probably wasn't truly in shape uh, still didn't know if he mentally had the trust on that leg that he wanted to have, have. Um, so I just felt like it was in Va- Navon's best interest for the long term that we try and be really, really smart with how we handle him and uh, it was something that, that he we were both on the same page about and now you see that entering the off season, he has a complete confidence on his knee. Um, he has his confidence back uh, overall, and he's really starting to merge as being one of the main guys in the room again.
2: What did you see or what, what do you think you have? Uh, the two guys that played on the left side for you, Ja'Kai and Zion, both are really, really smart kids.
1: Yeah. Um, no, I, I always say about Ja'Kai, Ja'Kai is – Football, fundamental, soundness, uh, feel for the game. is the most natural guy we have, and um, he's a guy that is very versatile as well. I mean, he, he played center in high school the whole time, started the whole previous year as a true freshman as a right guard, ended up starting the majority of this year at left guard, and um, has done has done a good job at, at everything we've asked him to do. So is a guy that, that mentally is – he's – He's a seasoned vet, even before he's really supposed to be a seasoned vet. And then, and then Zion, Zion probably, you talk about a turnaround. I mean, few tackles had as bad of a year as he had his freshman year, and few tackles had as good of a year as he had his sophomore year. And um, that's a that's a testament to his work ethic as well. So, both those guys are guys that we're excited that we still have a couple more years here in the program, and and uh, I think their best ball still ahead of them.
2: You know, you mentioned uh, Zion's freshman year. Did you have a was that a big rebuilding project in terms of just getting his confidence up going into last year? How much of a of a uh, uh, of coaching him mentally was involved?
1: You know, I think that was a lot of uh, like we we go back and talking about those guys who weren't quite ready to play yet, but who are good talents. Uh, I think Zion's a, a prime example of that. Zion, no one can question his talents. No one can question his ability to sandwich a guy. Um, but with Zion, when I came in last spring, I saw a guy who was still undersized, a guy who had a great attitude and work ethic. Um, so I, I, and I also saw a guy who was a little emotionally beat up and kind of lost his confidence uh, in the game. And my thought process was, Hey, maybe I need to take some pressure off of him right now. Let he, let him step away. Let him get away from it and start building him back up. We come back from the quarantine, and Zion went from a guy who's still two hundred eighty pounds to three hundred twelve pounds. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, well, well, maybe maybe he's kind of gotten his confidence back after uh, being at home and 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 eating his mama's food, I guess. But um, and but we still took that same approach in August camp of. Hey, let's see where he can fit in. Let's not press the issue. And, and, um, and he was the one guy that you talk about, like he was with coach Barry and coach Barry was the only offensive line coach he'd ever had in college football. So he probably had the best habits for what coach Barry was asking him to do. And now he's got this other O line coach come in and, and change him up again. So I think he struggled with some of that too, fundamentally. And then once he kind of got on board or, or, kind of got a hang of what we're asking him to do, that's when he was able to really take off.
2: I'm not sure when the University of Miami's had uh, this many offensive linemen. I think you're probably getting to a pretty good number. So I'll just lump these guys together, the, the young players. You have uh, Walker, a holdover from last year, who came in, transferred in, then through recruiting, McLaughlin, Rodriguez, and uh, big baby, Lawrence Seymour. So four other young guys coming in to join this group.
1: Yes, yeah, and and Isaiah was with us some in the fall as well, um. So so Isaiah was able to to do some of that, and and we were we're fortunate enough. We have McLaughlin on campus right now, and then Ryan and, and Lawrence will join us this summer. But uh, we're really really excited about those guys uh, and, and their potential. And we think you look at Aaron uh, Rodriguez and, and and Big Baby Seymour, like those guys will be able to come step in learn from those guys a year, compete their tails off to try and start now, but, but in the big scheme of things, learn, see how we operate, get coached by myself and the older guys. And now it's going to accelerate their growth, accelerate their learning. And now it's going to give them a good opportunity to really be the guys for three and four years on the road.
2: Coach, caring justice is our guest offensive line coach, university of Miami. I was speaking with coach Lashley and he said about the ACC, one of the things that surprised him the most uh, from uh, opponents uh, from the opponents from uh, defense inside the league was all the edge rushers inside the ACC. He thought the edge rushers inside the ACC were better than what he had seen in the SEC. Uh, how much did the edge rushers, how much pressure do they put on your offensive line during the course of the year each week getting ready for those guys?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, no, we did have pretty fortunate thing that we had some good dns in house yeah. that, that that allowed those guys to prepare and get ready and you talk about different tackles growth and development it's it's a big it's a big uh, credit goes to the dns we had in our house but but yeah i mean week in week out there there were guys that you had to prepare for you had to uh, have answers for um and you had to you had to bring it with your game and and from, from a pass protection standpoint, we're hey, we still got to be a lot better than that as well. I mean, we well, well, we went I said we went from a, a really bad offensive line to, to slightly below average in a year. So hopefully, we can make the same jump to um, to slightly below average to a really good offensive line. And, and I, I'm excited about what we can what we can do. I'm excited about this group. They're a good group of guys. Um, they are getting better. They they are committed to being better. And uh, that's really all you can ask for as a coach are guys that, that feel that way and act that way. And, and um, eventually it's going to come through. And I know as, as fans and coaches and, and everyone, it's never the timetable we want it to be. But, but when it happens, it's going to happen and everyone's going to be excited about it.
2: When we last left you, Coach, you were on the verge of pulling out the Oklahoma State game. You did pull out Virginia Tech and North Carolina State on the road. How much of that fourth quarter mentality can carry over into this season?
1: Yeah, hopefully that remains a constant. Something we've been talking about is we've got to get out to a fast start mentality. I mean, North Carolina State, those type games, Oklahoma State, at the end, hopefully those games never happen or those comebacks never happen because you're firing and executing at a high level to start the game. And um be starting off 21 nothing and having to dig back, that's just, it that just puts you in a bad situation. It makes you one dimensional. Um, it's not the way you want to play the game. So I think as a coaching staff, a big thing we've kind of talked about and addressed is okay, we, we've, we've, our guys, our guys' numbers in the fourth quarter and how supporting people in the fourth quarter cumulatively to the se- through the seasons is actually pretty good, but our first quarter numbers are not where we want them to be. So it's like, okay, we're finishing pretty strong. And yes, we do need to continue to stress that, and that's what we need to be. But now let's let's fast start too. Now, <laughs> so uh, let's find a way to fast start. And, and Coach DS always talks about it. You want a fast start. Uh, you want to win the middle eight. Uh, you want to win the last four minutes before halftime, and the first four minutes after halftime. And you you got to finish in the fourth quarter. So, I think the the middle eight was was improved from the year before. Uh, it was solid. I thought our fourth quarter was really good, and, and our first quarter was, is something we've got to improve at greatly. So if we can find a way to, to start getting our guys to, whether it's how we practice, whether it's how we work out, whatever we do, something you just emphasize, we've got to figure out a way to get our guys going a little quicker. And if we can get that done then, and match it with what we did in the fourth quarter, um, good things can happen for us.
2: In terms of recruiting, you've done a pretty good job of, of finding offensive linemen in South Florida. Uh, how much evaluation has to go into offensive linemen in South Florida because historically it's not been a great spot for premier offensive linemen, but there are guys that have come through South Florida that have turned out to be really good offensive linemen. But I think when you think of recruiting in South Florida, you're thinking of more in terms of skilled players.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's the thing I've said, ever since I got here was just for my time in Florida Atlantic and and being familiar to state um, or with the state people always the stereotype is Florida South Florida's got a lot of skill not a lot of great offensive linemen and really what happens there's not a lot of great offensive linemen anywhere in the country I mean God doesn't make many big talented athletic people so what happens is is Florida or South Florida still has the same amount as everyone else. It's just, it gets overwhelmed because there's so much skill here. So it is disproportionate. It's only disproportionate though, because our skill is so much higher and so much greater than anywhere else in the country. So it's important for us to, to we, we've got to start looking at linemen from the standpoint of, can they go to Clemson and win that game? Right. Can they win the ACC championship? Can, if, if they can, they don't and they don't have to tomorrow but can they grow to win that game not just are they good enough and if we think guys can grow and and be if they can play excel and win in that game then let's take them and, and preferably we want to take them if they're closer than, than if they're far away uh but that being said we've got to find guys who want to be here who fit that standard and um Fortunately, this past year we were able to sign three guys that we thought fit that standard, who were all three in the Tri County area, and, um, and two from Dade and one from Broward. So that's that's preferably the way we would love to have it is it's local guys and, and guys who are going to take pride in staying home and being at home. But if we got to go elsewhere and find them, um, we'll find them. I mean, Brian McKinney was from New Jersey. We would love to have Brian McKinney again. So um, we'll take them wherever we get them, but. We'll also take guys who are, who are down the road, like Vernon Carey, and we'll take some of those guys as well. So however it gets done, uh, we'll get it done, but preferably we'd like to do it with guys close to home.
2: It used to be, uh, and you mentioned having guys get ready to go play uh, Clemson or in Alabama, it used to be uh, you'd stay five years to play one on the, at the offensive line position. Uh, not quite the case now, but uh, certainly development is a big part of, of your plan.
1: It is, and and we've got to make it. And with the with the days of the transfer portal, we've got to make it worthwhile for these guys. They feel like they are getting developed. They feel like they they do see the light at the end of the tunnel, and and um, and they've got to enjoy their experience here. Because if the days of just being a certain type of coach and and treating guys poorly that doesn't that doesn't stick anymore you've got to you've got to develop true relationships with these guys you've got to get to know them uh and you've got to show them that you can make them better and i think if you can show them that and they truly know you care that extends your life with those guys and and those guys are going to want to stay and play for you a little bit longer
2: coach uh really appreciate you taking the time to join us thank you so much Uh, best of luck during spring football we look forward to watching it and again uh Uh, Congrats on last season, and thanks for being with us here tonight on the show.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Joe. Appreciate it.
2: Anytime. And welcome back to our show, everyone. Joining us now, University of Miami second baseman Anthony Villar coming off a great weekend. Hurricanes took two out of three from North Carolina State. And, Anthony, congratulations on the uh, series victory on the road. That was a hard-fought series, wasn't it? Yeah, thank you.
0: Yeah, it was. Short on Friday, and we just had to fight adversity and bounce bounce back and, and get some wins on Saturday and Sunday.
2: How important has it been to, to be a come-from-behind team or, or a team that has been able to uh, go into these Sunday uh, Sunday games with an opportunity to win the series?
0: Just to, it's to win the series really gets to us. Um, we're really trying to push through the adversity on this rubber match, which it has. and we've been able to do that the last three weekends.
2: You know, uh, you started the season 1-for-16, uh, but you were hitting the ball hard. You just didn't have anything to show for it. Uh, the, this weekend, your bat really came alive, and since that time, 10-for-26. This weekend, uh, a big weekend, 5-for-15, including a home run. Uh, w- what's been different for you the last couple of series?
0: Yeah, I mean, I just, I just tried to stay with the same approach as I did in Florida. Like you said, at the, I was hitting the ball hard. It just wasn't following. So I just stayed confident and stayed confident with my approach, and just tried to keep the same swing. and And luckily, those last two weekends, the ball's been falling. Yeah.
2: Sometimes when you hit the ball hard, you got to know right that sooner or later, you hit a flare. It's going to fall in. I always say when you hit a flare to maybe to break out of a slump, it, it still looks like a line drive in the box score the next day.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's when things start getting go- things start going.
2: How about this uh, this recent series, though, against North Carolina State in terms of your bullpen on Saturday and Sunday? That was a huge lift, right? Th- those guys, uh, five innings on Saturday, five innings on Sunday, and really, really uh, slammed the door on North Carolina State.
0: The yeah, bullpen has been amazing this year. They came out, early, like you said, on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Arguez has done a great job. Jake Smith did a great job on Saturday. And then Carson and Ben are just shut down every time they come in. So we're very confident when our bullpen comes in. We're just trying to get some extra runs when coming late in the game, and we're confident it shut them for us.
2: Uh, what can you say just about your team, your overall team, and the camaraderie that you have? Uh, you didn't play last year, but a lot of your guys have all been together now for a long time.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of new guys, and most of us. I think there was 17 new guys this year, and 14 returners, or something like that. More, more new guys than there were veterans. Yeah, But uh, we've all gotten close. We've all gotten close, and we're all sticking together. And it shows that we're never willing to give up, especially on that Saturday at Florida when we were down a few runs and we just came back late in the ninth inning. And then we just took that momentum to Sunday, and we're just never willing to give up as a team.
2: Do you think games like that, the one you had against Florida on a Saturday where you bounce back – and this series against North Carolina State does that perhaps maybe set the tone for the rest of the year, knowing that you're going to be in tough games, but uh, that you're always got a chance to win those games.
0: Yeah, we know we're going to have a tough schedule now that it's all ACC. So, um, like you said, we're just willing to never give up, and and we're just trying to stay strong, especially through the late innings, and try to come back with a win.
2: Got to ask you, uh, the guy next to you, Patelli made a heck of a play in the Saturday game, diving to his left. Uh, what does he bring to your team defensively?
0: Yeah, he's been good all fall and all spring. Uh, he's he's coming in late in, in the games for defense. But this weekend, he had he started some games with the righties pitching, and he did a great job. He got a few hits, but he did his job defensively as well, especially making that play.
2: And then you have a, a young guy hitting behind you, also playing at shortstop and some third. Yo Yo Morales leads the team in hitting, home runs, and RBIs. Uh, what has he brought to your to your squad? Uh, what's it like having him in the lineup and hitting behind you?
0: Incredible! What he's doing as a freshman in the three hole. Um, not only is he hitting well or fielding well, he's always in the dugout trying to get everyone up, trying to keep the energy up. He's always talking and being a good teammate as well. So he's a good he's a good addition to the team, especially the lineup.
2: Now you've got a midweek game, and it's FAU, and you've got some really good baseball in this area. Uh, so much emphasis on you know, an, almost an entirely all-conference schedule, but you've got some of these big midweek games coming up tomorrow, FAU. How important is that game for you?
0: Yeah, FAU has always been a good midweek that we have. We, I think we have the toughest midweeks out of everybody in the country. Um, Florida baseball is really, really good, really tough. Uh, but we try to treat it as
2: every, any other game, you know. I mean, FAU is just as good as any other ACC team. FAU is ranked 25th in the country. They, I don't know, I haven't looked at their roster that much, but they probably have some guys that uh, played against you or you played against them along the way in, in travel ball. You always know that that's going to be when you're playing these teams inside the state. Those are always big rivalry games, aren't they?
0: Yeah, for sure. I know a couple of kids on FAU and we talk a lot and they just, everybody wants to beat UM. Everything's about UM and everybody that comes to our park tries to beat us and with everything they got. So we just got to stay confident with ourselves and come out with a W.
2: Uh, last year, COVID shut college baseball down, one of the first sports to go down. How tough was it for the whole year without playing baseball games?
0: yeah i think i spoke to a lot of people about it that this this is the first time that any of us act playing baseball games i think my in my entire life i had a year of playing baseball but uh we took the time to get to get better we we pri- practice a lot uh over the quarantine and and a lot of the guys just took the time to improve and get better at things and it's where it, so far it's it's working out for us we just got to keep pushing and finish the season strong
2: What about having a year off, just from a personal standpoint? Did you feel, and I've been, since the season started, uh, was it different after a year of not playing in terms of timing or seeing the ball or any of those types of things?
0: No, I don't think so. I mean, we've been playing this game long enough, you know, so uh, we just took a little time to, like you said, get back in the timing of things with with hitting and everything, but that, that came back in the fall. And once we got that going, we just kept practicing hard and, and got ready for
2: the season. All right. Perhaps uh, we're supposed to have Wake Forest coming up. Uh, they haven't played in a while, but it'd be another big, interesting uh, ACC uh, series against Wake Forest. That'll be important. Um, everybody always talks about Miami and Omaha, uh, the expectations of reaching Omaha. Are those things that you embrace?
0: Are those things that what? I'm sorry?
2: Uh, the, the expectations of reaching Omaha, when you when they talk about University of Miami Baseball, it's always Omaha. Do you embrace those type of expectations?
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, like you said, this weekend that's the first goal we're, that's the first team we're thinking about, especially after FAU. But the whole year, that's all we talk about. It. You know, Gene always says it's always yeah. It yeah. So, Yeah, that's definitely the goal. We're we're taking it series by series, game by game, and that's where we're going to end up at the end of the year. All right.
2: All right. Very good. Well, thank you for joining us. Best of luck tomorrow against FAU and best of luck against Wake Forest. All right. Thank you. Okay, take care. That's Anthony Villar joining us here on the show on the Hurricane Hotline. Thanks to Anthony Villar, Gino Damari as well, Coach Justice, Don Bailey Jr., and Jim Laranega. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you tomorrow. We'll have Hurricanes basketball for you tomorrow. So we'll talk to you for Canes basketball. Thanks for being with us here on the Hurricane Hotline, and have a very pleasant good evening.